This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you, and in the studio today is my lovely bride, Brian Danielle Fueling. Brian, welcome back. Thanks. How are you doing today? Fabulous. You caffeinated? Almost. Almost? Yep. All right, good. What are you drinking right now? I am drinking a double tall non-fat latte with one pump of mocha. You're amazing. Brian, we have had multiple questions that have been designated for you. And I think people like listening to you way better than Tim and Craig and myself. Let's be clear. So if you want to take over this podcast, we invite you to do that. I'm kidding. But uh, all of these questions are about counseling. And here's the, yeah, for the most part, here's the first one. And and I got to, I got to be honest. I submitted this question. You did not. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. Uh, The question goes like this. My parents are hoarders. Help. Now, what our audience, well, here's what they need to know. I I think Brian is a hoarder. (laughs) (laughs) What say you? I'm glad that you don't have a counseling license to diagnose that because <laughs> that is not true. I am an excellent saver. Because I throw out saver. all of your stuff. However, yes. <laughs> I'm an excellent saver, <laughs> said every hoarder. <laughs> no, well, absolutely. This is something I can completely um, be compassionate towards on yeah. a very like real firsthand yeah. experience level. I'm a collector. Level. That's what our producer Dan says. I'm a collector. Yes. No, I'm more <laughs> of a saver, not a collector. Yeah. Um, our middle daughter is definitely a collector. She has hordes of hoarding already started yep. it started with her pacifiers it did she would take back. three in yeah. the, her mouth at the same time yeah she'd hide them in all different places mm-hmm. and we threw one out she'd mm-hmm. go find two more mm-hmm. she had like locations everywhere yep. <laughs> it was fabulous so my parents are hoarders help there's another part to the question too that is really important my aging parents sometimes think i'm dishonoring them when i try to lovingly help them clean things up they have become hoarders and their home is actually dirty it's hard to visit them for extended time Do I stop trying to help them in this way or should I help my parents who are hoarders even if they don't want my help? Hmm. So we'll start by parsing out that question into three categories. And so the first one is just kind of talking about hoarding. So let's just talk about hoarding for a second. Obviously, it's something you and I have seen (laughs) in our own family and in our extended families. It's something we've seen in our neighborhoods around Bartlett. It's something we've seen on TV. And it's something we've heard other people talk about to varying degrees. Yep. Sometimes as a joke, sometimes seriously. And we could probably go through and call out on this Q&A podcast all the people we know who struggle (laughs) with this, how it affects their marriages, how it affects their families, how it affects their children. But we won't. But I think one of the things that is so important to look at in hoarding is that it is a spectrum. And so some people, when they're over here on the spectrum, they see this extreme version that's shown on TV and they think, well, that's not me. And they don't think they have a problem. And so it doesn't get dealt with. It's like every other issue. Absolutely. Nothing is really typically black and white. You're on a scale of one to 10. You might be a 10 or a two, but if you're on the spectrum, you're on the spectrum. And you just got to own where you're at. But typically spectrums move from the yep. one to They have the a ten. forward motion. They have a forward motion. Mm-hmm. Propelling you towards a greater propensity to embrace a greater problem. Yep. Hoarding used to be classified as part of obsessive compulsive disorder. And now it's kind of moved into its own classification, but it still stems from anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder. Because we see that hoarding is oftentimes a reaction to some kind of circumstance in life, whether it's a traumatic event or a series of traumatic events, or maybe just an underlying I don't know if we'd call it traumatic, but you see with the people who lived through the Great Depression, many of them who came out of that era Mm. were hoarders because they learned to save. And so they began to save everything. And then it Mm. became out of control. 
in terms of saving every Ziploc bag, washing yep. it over, washing all the tinfoil. What if this happens again? Now I'm prepared for exactly. it. I wasn't prepared the first exactly. time. Exactly. And also being, many people see it as being financially responsible. And yep. so we get into so many different caveats in terms of what hoarding can look like. Mm. There's not one just hoarding blanket that gets yep. put over everyone that looks the same. It looks very different for yep. each different family, each individual who struggles with it. But it's fair to say, though, if you're on the spectrum, the lower the number on the spectrum, like if you're one or two, the harder it is for you to diagnose it. But no matter where you're on the spectrum, typically it's your normal. And right. so you may be one of the last people to see it. Absolutely. And it makes sense to you because you have a reason for why you're doing right. it. And so for me, one of the things that like I was most prone, which I think I do so much better now. You're welcome. Were like because I love to do art projects and yeah. I love to do crafts and I love to do things like that. Well, I hate to spend money on all of those supplies. Mm -hmm. And so whether it was magazines or cool pieces of paper or little all sorts of stuff, especially in college, I would save these. I would gather them up from the state of Chicago. And I, you know what? I used a lot of them. So it was true. But then got to a point where you have to decide, okay, but now I have more than I need. So what do I do with it? I need to get rid of it. And I can only keep what I need and what I have space to keep what I need. Yep. You just said something like I think is important is that every person has a limited amount of space. Mm -hmm. And once your stuff exceeds that space, you have too much stuff. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're a hoarder or not. If you can pay for storage, fine. But most of the kind of stuff that people hoard, they don't right. even put in storage. But I that's mean, also something we have to consider. Like, is my stuff so valuable that I'm willing to give money to it? Yep. If it exceeds the space that I have, rather than using that money for something else in the kingdom of mm -hmm. God. And so storage facilities are actually the fastest growing sector in commercial property over the past three decades to build those and to make money off of them because yep. of this problem. Because We have so much stuff. Mm -hmm, people know that there's a problem, so they need to get it out of their home. So they put, choose to put it in a storage facility mm. so that they don't have to look at it. If we go back to the beginning, let's just talk about hoarding a little bit more. Again, as I said previously, it's a reaction often to the need to control our environment. And so would you say hoarding is like if I'm a hoarder, right? And I want to self-diagnose. I have more stuff than my space permits. Yes. Um, other people are saying that I have too much stuff or maybe yep. they're starting to call me a hoarder or there's like yep. conversations going on around that. Mm -hmm. um, usually based out of would you say it's usually based out of control or fear or because I can imagine a world where you love stuff like I love yes. collections. Right. And we're going to talk about that, you too, know? because that is an aspect that can turn towards hoarding. OK, but go back to your diagnostic criteria for one mm -hmm. second. I think another aspect of it is that you don't have a use for the stuff that you're yeah. hoarding, that what you've collected, so, what you've okay. taken has let's, no purpose or poke, use in life. Because we're talking now into like a lot of marriages and, and May I'm I'm gonna stereotype for a moment, okay? So I talk to these dads and these husbands, and they're like, "My wife keeps saving this stuff," and she says, "Oh, I'll use it eventually." And so some people will say, "Well, hey, if you haven't worn that outfit in nine months, then you need to get rid of it." Mm -hmm. And obviously, for the person who is a collector or a hoarder or has too much stuff, maybe you're just maybe you're not on the spectrum. But you're, I mean, honestly, this is something we deal with a lot of dudes. Their wives have an incredible amount of clothes, but they have not touched probably three quarters of those articles of clothing for a year or two or three or more. But yeah, they can't well, I can bring, bring that whole to... argument down because one, we live in Chicago, so you can't keep clothes for more than nine months. That wouldn't make sense. It has to be at least a two year period. And also most women are changing sizes because of childbirth randomly all the time. So they have to keep other clothes because who knows what right? size you're going to actually end up in the end of your life. <laughs> so drop the mic, drop the mic and pick up another subject. So um, you could have another example, though, that maybe could be a valid one. Well, my point, though, is that there are a lot of people who wrestle through this stuff. And when it comes to clothing or other issues, all I want to do is say there is that issue, which is when you live in a place like this, 
that clothes are kept for a long period of time, longer than normal. Whereas if you lived in the Caribbean, it would probably be a different story about how long you need to keep articles of clothing, unless you're getting skinnier and larger and skinnier and larger with childbirth. And so just processing. Okay. Processing. Check, check. Check, check. All right. Um, carry on. Going, carry on, going, so going back No, because I'm listening to dudes in my head and they're like, wait a minute. Like my wife's collecting stuff all the time. I hear this a lot, actually. This is not an uncommon thing where guys are like frustrated. We've got four four shirts and our wives have 400. Yeah. Well, that's because the guys need to catch up and have more style. I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to hoarding. Oh, yeah, one the of the things that I think is important to look at is kind of what goes on. What are some of the heart strings that are attached to hoarding? When we look at how it progresses, as we talked about earlier, how you can be on the spectrum and most of the time it's calling you forward. It's calling mm-hmm. you into a deeper relationship with stuff and a deeper connection with stuff and a deeper attachment. And so what we see with hoarding as a diagnosis is lots of times that they begin to replace human interactions and human relationships with stuff. And so it brings a sense of loneliness, but a security based upon the things that they can actually tangibly reach and touch. And so a lot of times it becomes an identity attachment and this is now who they are. And it's almost like their faltering hurt identities of their heart have now been almost, if you imagine it was like a cartoon, (laughs) their hearts have been poured into these tangible items around them. So now for you to want to clean up or attack or try to do something with these items around them, it is as if you are attacking Mm. their very own being. So could I give you an analogy? Is it similar in terms of the identity? So like when I work with creatives and artists to ask them to improve of their artwork, or mm-hmm. if they write a song, right. or they make a, a a graphic to say, "Hey, it's not quite what we want." It feels so personal because for the creative, they've poured their heart and their identity into the project, and so to mm-hmm. reject the project is to reject the person. Even mm-hmm. though I may love the person and I might want to just see this thing improve, you or might get like better, the project. It's just maybe not what you were looking for. Just not what I was looking for, you know. Thing. But my point in saying that is I think there's a lot of people listening who are like, why would their identity be in the stuff? And yet our identity is in our stuff all mm-hmm. the time. It might be mm-hmm. in what we make. It might be the thing we created. It might be in the kids we've created or the kids we've oh, raised yeah. or the home we our built. Our identities and stuff all the time. You right. see how people react when someone spills something in their car. You see how people react when yep. their shoe gets scuffed. You see how someone reacts when their toy gets yep. a dent or loses an arm, whatever it may be. Like we oftentimes or how people like their couch or their carpets. Right. That's just a matter of disgusting cleanliness. Let's be straight. <laughs> and so what we see oftentimes is that that kind of gets oftentimes to very lesser, maybe more healthy, or, you know, we could debate on that part, which we don't need to, degrees into those items. So, yes, we see how that mm. looks. I think everyone experiences that yeah. to some degree or another. I just don't want people it looking at it. get out of control. Yeah, I don't want people looking at it and be like, how could they put their identity in their stuff? What well, we do all the time. And then when, you, when somebody comes in to help them and you mess with their stuff, you're messing with their identity. You're mm-hmm. messing with... What you said it really well. They've poured their entire heart into this. They think about this. They think about their piles. They think about when they're going to be able to use it. They think about has is everything in an orderly right. way or not, you know? Right. And, I, and I say that just because I, I wouldn't want the person who's a non-hoarder to listen to this and be like, oh, how could they put their identity all in of that? Us, well, welcome all, to the human condition. Absolutely. All of us naturally trust in things much better than we trust in God. Yep. And so whether Drop it's a again. young mom who's looking for like a certain – baby product to make her child sleep or to make a rash go away or to make them eat better and you're looking for this product and you're looking for what is going to change my life what is going to make my life easier Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that is just something that that consumerism, that need for an item or for something of this world to change our life and to change our emotions is something I think everyone can relate to. Mm. That's especially a target area for me to focus on and to be thinking all the time, okay, yes, we naturally trust in things rather than in God. So it's so normal for us to look for security in the material world, but we have to continue to look for peace and fullness in Christ alone. Otherwise, it will never Mm. be found. And we have no other option but to continue to accumulate stuff if we don't find it in Christ because we have to keep looking for it somewhere. And that's the most logical arena. So it's okay to own stuff, but when the stuff owns you and your heart and your time and your affections, that's that's where the fundamental difference is. Paul Tripp says a good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes a controlling thing. And I love that little concise statement because it helps us really think, okay, is this controlling me? Because if it's controlling me, now it's become a bad thing and now it can have no longer any place in my life. Yep. So on this Monday, we have been able to diagnose hoarding, talk about the heart of where it comes from for most people, talk about the spectrum. I say what we do is, Brian, you come back tomorrow and we can really get down into some of the nitty gritty of this question. And we can talk about what she said or he said, um, they've become hoarders and their home is actually dirty. It's hard to visit them for an extended period of time. Should I try to help them? What if they don't want my help? I mean, these are some really tangible questions that I think actually quite a bit more people than we would probably expect. So I'll hoard more podcast air time and we'll come back tomorrow. Awesome. All right. Uh, We want to welcome you back tomorrow when we're going to do part two of My Parents Are Hoarders. Nope.